Welcome back to it. Into the happy hour we go. 501 is the time. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby. A little Gwynn and Chris for you on this Thursday evening. Don't forget tomorrow, a program will be starting just a tad late. That's because at noon tomorrow, uh, Jesse Agler, Tony Gwynn Jr. will be together in the booth at uh, Peoria for the first spring training game of the year. The Padres and the Seattle Mariners, we will carry the game and then our show will follow the game tomorrow afternoon. So uh, make sure you uh, tune into a little Padre baseball. It'll make you feel good as uh, we uh, embark on what should be a remarkably fun 2023 season here in San Diego. Padres starting pitcher tomorrow will be Nick Martinez, Bob Melvin, announcing the uh, starters for the weekend. Seth Lugo will start on Saturday. And Julio Tehran, a pretty good pitcher uh, back in the day with the Atlanta Braves. Again, like many other guys, Tony's just had injury problems the last two years. He's only made 11 starts combined. Uh, The Angels picked him up in 2020. He uh, made nine starts there. And last year, Detroit made just one. So he's made 10 starts combined. And uh, he's won only one game in the last two years. But this guy was a 14-game winner back-to-back seasons for the Braves uh, within the last 10 years. So, you know, it's another arm, another guy to compete for a spot on this roster. I don't know how many innings do you get in your first spring start though? No more than 2 or 3, I wouldn't think. Yeah, not usually. Usually uh, one, maybe two. Maybe two. You get yeah. uh, to start this time of year, uh, very few starters are going two innings out the gate. So Yeah. Uh, we'll certainly find out and see tomorrow. Julio Turan strikes out the side Sunday. Monday's show, first caller. This guy's got to be in the rotation, guys. <laughs> got to be in the rotation. There's going to be so much overreaction in the first three spring training games. It's one of my favorite parts of the year for each sport is the overreaction. The overreaction. You know what the, yeah. the, the interesting part about spring training is most years, somebody will have a explosive spring training that will amount to nothing. Uh, on occasion, you'll have a guy like Jorge Alfaro who has a tremendous spring, and then it carries over into the season somehow. That doesn't happen as often as the other, but it does happen. When you think about the Padres for 2023, I mean, honestly, you can sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil, or if you must be in this day and age (laughs) sit down at your computer screen (laughs) but you can pretty much tap out the entire 26-man roster on opening day for the Padres barring injury you know it's really yeah it's not to say that spring training isn't going to matter everybody's got to get themselves ready but some guy would have to hit about 900 to move somebody off of this ball club or a yeah. pitcher would have to throw, yeah, I don't know, 20 scoreless innings and, you know, not allow more than three hits. Because otherwise, I mean, we kind of know what we know. There's a couple of spots right. up for grabs in the bullpen. Maybe the last outfield spot, you know, you've got Engel, you've got Dahl, you've got a Zokar. They're all going to be, you know, battling for that. But this isn't really a fair competition. You know, it's not like everybody's starting from square one and whoever does the best over the last month is going to win. That's not how it's going to work at all. No, it's, it's, 
it's one of those years if every if if there are no injuries and everybody does what they're supposed to do, it's probably not going to be any surprises. However, injuries generally factor in, even if it's temporary, even if it's for you know a ten ten day IL stint where somebody has to go uh, on the IL, that can have an impact. So, uh, but you're right for the most part, you got a pretty good idea what this roster is going to look like come opening day. Yeah. But uh, it still doesn't mean that spring training isn't fun. And, uh, you know, just to, to get back into the mood of Major League Baseball again, I mean, let's be honest. What would you rather what, – what, what's better in the, in, the, in the, you know, the two big sports? Is spring training better or NFL preseason better? Oh, spring training is Come way better. Come on, right? It's not even it's a not contest. Even, it's not even close. No. It's not even a contest. Scraby, you want to weigh in on that? or I can't stand preseason football. Yeah. Can't preseason football is awful. You know, preseason preseason football is good for like the first snap of preseason. Yeah, the Hall of like, Fame okay. game is like, oh yes, football is back, yeah, and then and that's you realize it. that no one is playing that you know. <laughs> but in baseball, 100%. even if no one's playing that you know, it's still kind of fun to watch. It's still kind of fun to watch it, and they always have enough guys sprinkled in throughout the lineup to make it right. interesting. So tomorrow will be the opener against the Seattle Mariners. And uh, will be Nick Martinez making the start. Uh, by the way, all three guys that are starting, I believe, are going to be in the World Baseball Classic. Is that not true, Tony? That's probably why they're starting. Yes, <laughs> trying to make the, get their start. This is going to be – now that is actually going to be something that I think you can find kind of intriguing is the fact from March 8th, or in the case of you, Darvish, he's already left the ball club. Yeah, he's already gone. Right? He's already back in Japan getting ready for the Japanese team. But until March 23rd, I believe, when the WBC final will be played, I mean, Bob Melvin, the Padres, and every other team in baseball is going to have to juggle a lot of their roster while they're playing. And I get. Do you think in a perfect world the Padres wish that there really was no WBC this year and that everybody could be all together? Or do you think it really is kind of much to say about nothing, Tony? I I think the Padres would probably prefer that there was no WBC okay. this year. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they aren't the only team in that boat either. Right. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. really good players from a lot of really good teams that are playing in this tournament. And you'd probably like to have everybody together, but that's just not going to be the way it is. This this particular spring training is going to be a little bit different. And the good thing about that, I guess, is it gets a lot of the younger players a, a better chance to perform and catch the eye of somebody. Because as we've said many times, and we'll say many more times, it's going to take more than 26 guys to win the pennant this year. It's going to take 40 at least. At least 40. At least I mean, how many did the Padres have last year? Right? I mean, if you add up everybody. I think it was like 40. I want to say it was like 46, 47. I mean, right? there, was some, there was some random players at the end of the year that came up like um, Liberato, Astori yep. Ruiz. I saw, Lu- I saw Luis earlier today. Saw uh, Brandon Dixon was another one of those names. We saw what uh, Matthew Batten was oh, yeah. another one of those names. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they they went through. I feel like they went through a slew of pitching. Egai Rosario points. got a couple of at bats last year. Brent Rooker got some at bats. Eggy, 
Eggy Rosario, I said E guy. <laughs> that, that's, that needs to be a promo as well, please. <laughs> Tony's just look, Tony's trying to get us off of the Depeche mode. Promo. Actually, I just re, re- listened to but it. It's not going to be. It's Depeche. Yeah, he it's missed De- it by so much that he's got to get his own promo for that one. But I mean, don't forget that Nomar Mazzara had 159 at bats last year he for the did. Padres. I, for, I did forget right? about that. I mean, that. Nomar Mazzara played for quite a while. On a team that was, you know, a playoff bound. C.J. Abrams before he was traded. Matt oh, yeah, all Beatty, those guys. Matt, Matt Beatty made the team out of spring training, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. he hurt. Yep. So, well, he got hurt. Got hurt, yeah. Sergio Alcantara. There's a bunch of... Robinson Cano got 33 oh, my ABs goodness, last year. Oh, I forgot. Year. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot, forgot about, about a Robinson lot too. of guys that were part of that thing last year. So, it'll be a lot of guys like that this year, too. All right, uh, let's see. We've got uh, we got a little sound. Do you want to play a couple of clips from Bob Melvin today? The couple that we didn't hear. Uh, actually, one's from Bob Melvin. The other is from David Dahl. The David Dahl one, give me a second to set up, but which Bob Melvin would you the like? The one where he's discussing new great pitcher Seth Lugo. Mm, that's Some a good what... selection, Chris. It is? Yes, that's a good selection. Well, let's hear it then. I'm trying to... You're delaying till I'm you delaying. can find it. There it is. From Seth, that like he's making the transition starters. I've just been really effective as a reliever. Why will that stuff play in a in a starting role? Yeah, I think he, he, there's he has more pitches than he probably used in relief. I think he's excited about being able to throw some pitches, maybe that he tried to streamline more so in a relief role, to where you're only out there for you know an inning. To I think it was only sixty some innings for him last year, which is not a lot for him. But I, I think he's really, he's always wanted to start from what I, he's told me, and he has the, the pitch repertoire to do it. So he's excited. Yeah, we're, I mean, I think uh, Seth Lugo, we saw him in the NL playoff series pitching for the Mets against the Padres. Remember that curveball? I think that's what Bob Melvin's trying to say is, you know, he's got more than just a curveball, he doesn't just throw right. that every single pitch. Right, he's got more of a I, repertoire, and, and that tends to happen when uh, he would go on to say in that in that comment that when you are in the bullpen, you got to kind of streamline your pitches. So some things are going to get cut out because uh, without without the, a starting type of outing, it's not going to be as effective. So as a starter, it's a little bit different. You, you got you got time kind of at bats to set up different things, um, whereas coming out of the bullpen. You got to get out right now, right away. Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez, Michael Waka—they would probably be the favorites for the four, five, six spots. But never count out guys like Adrian Motahone. Ryan Weathers seems to have improved. Ryan Weathers has a new windup that he's uh, delivered this year. Tony, going not over going. Yeah, he's going over his head to says to get a little better balance before he delivers his pitches. That's so. that's, uh, that's what happens when you got a. a a dad who did it for a long time that can kind of chime in on those type of things when you right. start to go back to the lab and kind of dissect where your year went off, where it went wrong. It's nice to have a big league dad at the crib, for sure. Yes, that and the fact that I think people in general, right, around here, around Padre fandom, have given up on Ryan Weathers far too early. Now, I don't I don't know whether he bounces back, and I don't know what kind of career he has, but he's, he's only like 12 years old. So... You're not that young, but I was gonna say that's that's young for a baseball player. 
It's young for anybody, uh, but he's a young he's a young guy that still could find it at any time. Remember, he burst onto the scene in that uh, oh the playoffs in the playoffs in Texas during the pandemic against the yeah. uh, Dodgers. But and I think everybody just thought he'd be you know just take off from there. I've seen guys I mean, like this disappear for a while and then they come back and you never know. Well, that's what happens when you make your debut in the playoffs like most people make their debut during the regular season they have time to have some kind of bumps and bruises right Ryan didn't have that he came in into the playoffs got a few outs right he didn't pitch a ton of innings he got a couple no. innings in that playoffs, and then the next year came and it started off good but then you know the big leagues did what the big leagues do sometimes they start to figure you out and now you got to make an adjustment and unfortunately for Ryan the team he was on was already ascending to a point where they didn't necessarily have the space to allow him to make those mistakes at that level. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, we're going to get to a break. Uh, When we come back, there was a subject that we talked about yesterday quite a bit. Uh, It had to do with the Alabama basketball player uh, and – who was uh, what's his name again? Scraby? Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Thank you. Uh, the young man who was linked to the shooting that caused the death of a young lady. Uh, Brandon Miller brought the gun to one player. That player took his gun, gave it to somebody else who shot and killed some lady, young lady. And uh, the question we posed yesterday was, you know, should Brandon B. Miller be playing for Alabama, which he did last night? Well. Not only did he play, scored 41 points and hit the game-winning basket in overtime. So, you know, I wanted to get some of Tony's thoughts on that. I don't want to put you on the spot, Tony. We'll talk about it a little bit when we come back. Before we go to break, though, I have a chance for everybody out there. This is big time. Listen up. Chance to win a pair of tickets October 1st at Snapdragon Stadium. The famed group... Guns and Roses is coming to San Diego. Why can't I get that read? What? Yeah, why do I get that one and you get to pitch a mode? You'd be like, (laughs) well, they have Guns N' Roses coming to... (laughs) Oh, Bunny Scraby. He wouldn't have missed that one. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, but you can win a pair right now. Tickets go on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Guns N' Roses, October the 1st. Win a pair of tickets right now. Call in at 833-288-0973. The first person that can call in and correctly name Billboard Magazine's number one Guns N' Roses song of all time, 833-288-0973, will win the ticket. So start dialing right now. We'll step aside while you do that and then come back with more Gwen and Chris after traffic. 522, into the happy hour. I don't know if we've said that yet, but 522, Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scraby, taking you up till 6 o'clock. Padres with their first spring training game tomorrow. Yeah, 12 o'clock. Tony will be right there with Jesse. 12 o'clock, indeed. This is the winning song, or the winning answer, by the way, that uh, Andrew called in and picked up a couple of tickets to see Guns N' Roses. Sweet Child of Mine was named the number one song all time by Billboard. Number one Guns N' Roses song of all time. I'm not sure what the number one Depeche, Depeche Mode, mode? <laughs> song is. <laughs> kids Find that somewhere else. Oh, man. It's always nice when someone else does something like that on this show. Did somebody else do that, too? 
No, no. I, I, I said something the other day. I can't even remember. So about Depeche? About Depeche, yeah. No, no, not about Depeche. No, sorry, something else. Something else. Oh, something else. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's jump into this subject. Apparently, you guys talked a little bit about uh, Alabama's Brandon Miller and his role um, in the shooting. Yeah, of we a young did. Woman, we had kind of a mixed reaction out there, Tony. Kind of give me so how here's the deal. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, it, it's really it, it's very uh, a bit convoluted, but I mean, he uh, obviously knows this other guy, Darius Miles, a teammate of his. Miles is no longer with the Alabama team, but Miles apparently left his gun in Miller's car in, in a the car. back seat, right in the back seat of the car, underneath some clothes. Miller apparently didn't even know the gun was there. Miller was then on his way to go see Miles, uh, and Miles uh, texted him on the way and said, "Hey, make sure you bring my gun." And Miller was like, eh, "Okay, you know, like it was it's there. Not an he was on text. his way anyway." Right. Apparently, Miller never touched the gun, never picked it up, never handed it to the guy. Miles just reached into the car, got the gun. Miles then gave it to some other guy who killed a 23-year-old young lady. So Miller is linked to this, but did he really do anything wrong? And, you know, it's kind of a mixed reaction. There's a lot of people who think, you know, while there is – any kind of doubt here, and until all of this gets sorted out, should Brandon Miller really still be playing? Uh, Alabama obviously felt, yes, he should. And uh, Miller went out last night, scored 41 points, and hit the game-winning shot in overtime. Um, so, Bo Scraby and I thought, you know, to be safe, maybe he shouldn't be playing yet, but there was... Other people who called in and said, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's more of a victim of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So yeah. it's just a difficult one. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's some a, a life loss, um, it, it, it could it, it it can take you down this road. And you know, I, I read the story, um, and it sound and we don't know if Miller knew why he was bringing gun i'll tell you this if and maybe this is just me if a friend left their gun in my car and it wasn't my gun if i get pulled over with said gun with nobody else in there and this gun is not registered to me good point i mean a, a police officer could choose to believe me when i say it's not mine or he could choose not to believe me and i don't know what the gun laws are in, in alabama but uh you know out here that that gets you in quite a bit of trouble and so i uh, i could see um, wanting to get that gun out, and the fact that he never touched it too. So, you, so he just he Apparently, the guy left the gun in his car. A, a lot of the things on Miller's side are things that his attorney have said on his behalf, but I don't know that the investigation has a hundred percent been concluded yet. Well, the, uh, to the, this point in the investigation, though, Miller is being charged with ha you know having done nothing wrong. Right. I'm about to say. Well, we do know the. The investigation has gone far enough for there to be murder charges on the two other guys. So, I mean, I don't know how much more investigating they're going to do after pulling right. those two charges out. You would think a lesser charge would have already been announced, but, you know, maybe we have to wait and see. But uh, I, I I tend to lean to if, in fact, he had no he, he had no involvement other than giving the gun back to the guy who owned it. 
I don't know that you can hold him out. It's, it's certainly the police at this point haven't decided to charge him with anything. So, all right. As tough as that, you know, might be. Yeah. He, he probably does, he, he should be allowed to play. Well, Alabama agrees. Uh, Nate Oates uh, did not make him available to the media after the game, which is a pretty smart move on his part. Oates is the coach yeah. at Alabama. Uh, talked about him being mentally tough and uh, referred all other questions, you know, type of thing. So, um, anyway, I, I think it's a little slipperier, but I can't say I disagree with you, Tony. I just can say that my own opinion is that he, I, I would probably leave him out until this whole thing was completely washed over just because yeah. I wouldn't want to take the risk. But no, no, I, mean, I could enough. be wrong. We both could be right. We both could be wrong. It's a... It's the, it's that type of crazy situation. This kid is uh, going to be one of the better players in the NBA. I mean, of all of the kids that are playing in college right now, he is the highest-rated prospect for the NBA draft next year. So he's way up there. Something's been really sticking with me about this whole story, and, and then it was further yesterday with some news out of Florida, but it's like, it, I don't know why this specific story bothered me so much, but it's it, it, they're, it's such a waste of their lives to be doing this, yeah. obviously. And then that guy uh, in Florida who unfortunately killed a nine-year-old girl and then a reporter... Um, and he, his, his, the photo of him entering jail is of him smiling. And it's like, your, your life is over. Why, why would you like, I just don't, it's, it's very sad to me that these people's lives are over because of decisions that they've made and other people's lives are, have been taken because of the decisions they've made. I, I don't know what the one in Florida had to do it, but I know the one in Alabama was over. A guy. It's well. At least it was reported. It was over uh, a guy having his feelings hurt because a girl brushed him off or you know sent him the other way. That's crazy, man. It's it's you know. It's but like the New know, Mexico it, State stuff that's going on right now, like that stuff is crazy too. That's crazy. Man, that that's a little more. Re, I mean, reasonable man. Somebody was defending themselves in in that in that particular case and was lured out and into trouble. That's. That's more diabolical uh, than, you know, I, no, I guess it's not. I guess it's all in the same lane. It's all in the same lane. It's all sad. It's all tragic. Uh, we did have an email from John yesterday, Tony. In part, he said, I'm not saying Miller should be charged with any crime, but you don't not sit him because it may be perceived as him being connected with this horrible situation. He is I, connected with it. Um, he said... Uh, Miller is not a victim of anything. The victim in this situation is dead. It was an interesting note from John. Yeah, I don't think he's a victim, uh, I, I, but um, I can't completely disagree with the email. I mean, if you're sitting him, you know, for for a game because you you feel like, um, you know, that's the appropriate thing to do. I I guess I couldn't be mad at that. Well, they they're not. So Alabama yeah. continues to play him and. Uh, you know, we'll see where this all winds up going. I, I just, I honestly hope for Alabama's sake that nothing further comes out about this involving Brandon Miller in any way, shape, or form. Because it will look pretty bad for Alabama if that un, is an unfortunate end to this story. I think it'll look bad. It'll look bad on Alabama if they knew about it and let him play. Now, yeah. if they find out like the rest of us, I don't know that we could hold them 
responsible. Well, they're it going is Alabama, Tony, and I do like to hold them responsible <laughs> for pretty much everything, even if they're not wrong. I wanted to congratulate my favorite college football coach, Nick Saban. That's right. Nick Saban probably made this decision. <laughs> oh, he's just making decisions all over the yeah, school. Yeah, he's involved in everything. Touche. All right, let's get to break. Uh, if you missed it earlier, we all got educated uh, by Jeff Smith of the Mesa Foundation about NILs and how their NIL works. you get a chance to hear it next right here on Gwen and Chris. To all of you that uh, keep calling to win the Guns N' Roses tickets, we've already given them away for today. Hopefully we'll have some more to give away later in the week. Welcome back to Gwen and Chris. 537 is the time. Going to wrap things up with our uh, visit, uh, Jeff Smith of uh, the Mesa Fan Foundation, to get us all caught up a little bit on how this NIL thing works in college sports, most specifically the Aztecs and uh, their basketball program. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that shortly. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, Tony, don't know if you've seen it yet in your travels on social media. But after four and a half months, Scraby has finally done what I asked him to do. And I like changed, how this is my fault. It is kind of. He's finally changed the photo in our logo that goes along with our Facebook and Twitter and well, Instagram no. He, here's posts. how it, here's how it's attached. The logo is now because we used to have a different picture for the podcast. So whenever we put up a podcast, it will show this new picture. Yes, and it's a much. It's just a more. It's just a better picture. You know, we took it, all three of us, Mm -hmm. down in the clubhouse after the Padres beat the Dodgers in the National League Division Series. It's kind of a fun picture. We got, like, the plastic behind us with the NLDS signs. we're all in it. So if you're kind of tired of that old fuddy-duddy picture of Tony and I. Didn't they just, like, literally just take it before a show one day and threw it up there? Yeah. I mean, it was like. That's literally how it went down. It was like, hey, I think guys, we were supposed look, to have like, hey guys, look over here. What? <laughs> that was the picture. So we it's finally true, got another true. picture on. But I, I got a Scraby with an incredible ability to follow up on things because when I we took the picture that night, I said, hey, let's make this our new picture. He did, and that's October, November, December, January. Here we are, five months later. Scraby has made it happen. Well, it takes that long on the website to update. Oh, please. Yeah. So please. I updated it back then, but it just, just no, you took didn't. yesterday. You did not do a thing back then. You took <laughs> you're, no you're action. Right. <laughs> no, I did look into it. I just got nowhere, and then I looked into it again recently, and I got somewhere. All right. Very good. Very anyway, good. look for our new picture uh, with our podcast, uh, 973thefansd.com. I'm proud of Scraby for finally getting the job done on that. Um, all right, uh, let's get to some traffic here, and then we're all going to find out about the NIL. We'll be better informed after we hear from Jeff Smith. On the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline, Jeff Smith of the Mesa Foundation. Now, Jeff, thank you for coming on and, and kind of uh, coming on and, and, and really educating us on, on how all this works. Now, before we get into how uh, the Mesa Foundation is a little bit different from some of the other uh, NIL deals that we we hear about first tell us a little bit about how nils work um for the college athlete well i appreciate you guys having me on first of all um yeah this is a it is a big topic and and uh, it comes with a lot of uh preconceived opinions uh a, a lot of folks i think the vast majority of people 
have uh, a similar perspective that the two of you do, which is, you know, we hear some of these these big numbers tossed around with, with athletes, primarily college football players, and, and uh, you know, a lot of us have strong opinions uh, about the uh, purity of college sports, let's just say. Um, you know, and, and so the NIL is, is a huge subject within college sports. It's not just the football players you see on television. It's something that's kind of permeated into all the, the major sports. Um, what we're doing at Mesa and, and the, and what we hope to talk to you a little bit about today is, is, uh, is our version of it. But, you know, we've gotten to a point here that, uh, I think it's fairly undeniable that NIL is here to stay. Uh, it had original intentions on, compensating athletes for their name image and likeness and that's really what it's about but it's grown into uh no surprise into something much more organized and and uh and 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 uh touching every sport and really touching every every major university at least in the uh in the in the primary conferences jeff uh you know you just mentioned what it was kind of designed for the nil and then you kind of touched on the fact of what it's grown into is the nil something that more than just star college athletes can take advantage of. We hear about some of the big deals that are signed uh, by some of the big-time stars even before they get into college. Um, is it something that, you know, as you mentioned a little bit, the somebody on the, the women's lacrosse team can take advantage of, somebody on the, you know, whatever it is, uh, volleyball team can get in on. I mean, it, it, is this more overreaching than we hear about? It is for sure. Yeah, you only hear about the stuff that makes the news, as I said, the bigger names and these multi-million dollar agreements that uh, that athletes are, are making, both with businesses and, you know, local businesses. Uh, you see Dr. Pepper commercials and car dealership commercials and those kind of things. But every every college athlete now has the right to go earn, uh, uh, be compensated for uh, promoting businesses or selling their jerseys or doing all of those different kinds of things. But it's, you know, as, as you know, it's a it's referring to the NCAAs in, in general as a, it's a big entity. There's a lot of schools. There's a lot of athletes. And, you know, there are ver- various versions of NIL uh, organizations and NIL opportunities for these athletes. I think when you get down to the smaller sports, the, the you know, the, the ones that maybe don't generate as much revenue, don't aren't on television as much, and you know, you, you really it's easy to identify college football and college basketball. Those other sports, they have certainly opportunity, but but it is a free market, and so their their ability to be compensated is based on the perception of demand. Um, it has it has turned into something. There are other collectives that are working for San Diego State. Ours is the only uh, pure nonprofit, 501c3. We'll talk about that, I hope, uh, in a little bit. But there are other organizations that have been set up that are uh, that are created to try to link athletes at San Diego State who are interested in monetizing their name, image, and likeness with local businesses. And uh, those are those are starting up. I hope that they have success. You'd, you'd like to see each one of these athletes experience these these kinds of uh, opportunities. I'm not so sure how quickly it'll get there, given the fact that NIL is as new as it is, only just a bit over a year and a half old. But, yes, all athletes have built to go uh, earn compensation for their name, image, and likeness, which was really the primary intent when it was uh, when the NCAA ruled on it and, uh, and put it in as a, as a policy about a year and a half ago. 
Jeff Smith, Mesa Foundation, joins us here on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline. And Jeff, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about what makes the Mesa Foundation um, different than some of the other NILs. So there's a uh, there's a terminology that's thrown around for what is effectively is uh, an organization that that is particularly interested in one school and supporting that school, and that's called a collective. I don't know if you guys have talked about collectives. Um, they're essentially boosters or business owners or folks that are involved in the community. Who, as I said, in our instance, San Diego State is something that most of the folks that started up Mesa either attended or or are uh, season ticket holders or have uh, friends in the program, but we're all Aztecs and we all care about San Diego and the community. Um, when ours started up, we heard some of these crazy stories that we talked about happening. And because we're a state school, as opposed to some of the private schools, you, uh, you really see a lot of the private schools where the boosters and the supporters and the folks in the community have been waiting in the wings, waiting for this kind of thing to be effectively made legal and so they create these collectives where they raise funds and they compensate athletes to go do different things. Some of those things are for-profit businesses connecting with local businesses, and they determine the market value of those appearances and those opportunities. When we started talking to the coaching staff, uh, really basketball-driven for now, just based on kind of time and resources and, and getting the, the word of mouth out and starting up Mesa, what was important to Coach Dutcher and Coach Velasquez and the rest of the coaching staff was they didn't want any dissension in the locker room. They didn't want this to be the tale of the haves and the have-nots. And they really didn't ever see themselves and want to see themselves being a situation when they were pursuing athletes and, and throwing out these extravagant dollar amounts that would really kind of change the culture of San Diego State basketball. We're a, we're a school that gets a lot of athletes that transfer over. We play an unbelievable level of defense. It's really about team. We got a lot of players, particularly this year, that are taking advantage of the extra years that they can. You know, we've got fifth-year seniors across across the uh, the lineup. I think we've got four of them on the team. And so the coaches said, "Hey, we want to do something, but it's really important for us to connect to the community." Coach Fisher was involved in some of these early conversations, and what was created was the Mesa Foundation, which we uh, we were able to get our 501c3 status. We take the athletes on now the both the women's and the men's basketball team and create partnerships with local charities and local organizations. We've tried to start with the ones that are the most prominent think, names that folks in San Diego would recognize. We had a food bank event. Um, obviously, for, for San Diego State basketball, ALS is, is something that is, uh, is of particular importance given um, Mark Fisher, Coach Fisher's son, um, we were at that event. We helped increase the uh, the amount of, of uh, money that was raised leading up to it through the players posting <clears throat> on their social media websites and being there. Um, raise awareness of those kinds of organizations. We had a big clinic about a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, for boys and girls club and local San Diego youth, the basketball clinic where all the, the men's and half the women's uh, players were there coaching with uh, one of our board members who's a former guard there, DJ Gay. And uh, we've got one coming up with Camp Pendleton Youth. We've got one coming up in the summer with Native American, uh, the Intertribal Sports Youth Camp, and we expect that to be in the range of 200 to 250 kids. And so it's really cool. Obviously, there are some very good things about what they're doing for the community, but getting back to what Mesa was, Mesa was a San Diego State, very modest version of NIL where we knew, based on what the coaches were telling us, 
none of us really want to be doing this, right? We want to go back and say, can we rewind NIL and make this thing go backwards and go back to the way it was? It's not going backwards. And if we can just come to that conclusion that it's here to stay and that now there's this thing that needs to be answered in order to continue to help our school, our basketball team, and hopefully other teams at San Diego State be competitive, we've got to do something like this. And the version that we came up with was very San Diego State-like. As I said, these guys are in the community. They're getting paid a little bit. Um, they make these appearances. They're involved in social media posts. It's all charity-based compensation for their appearances. Jeff Smith is with us from the Mesa Foundation, uh, kind of uh, giving us uh, some background, some information on this whole NIL thing and what's happening locally here at San Diego State. Uh, let me ask you, where is the NIL headed? You said we're not going back. Where, where is it going to go? Do you see maybe in the next four or five years? A. And the second part of that question what areas is still need to be cleaned up? Are there any some, are, some areas where it, it, the NIL has kind of had unintended consequences that would be better to be straightened out along the way? Yeah, that's it. It is such a loosely defined. There's just a couple rules. You, it's not supposed to be pay for play, and and so it's, there's a real clear uh, line drawn on on that regard. And I know probably a lot of folks are listening, saying, well, hold, "Hold on a second. Isn't that kind of exactly what it is? And I think that uh, if you really scrutinize in some instances, you know, because there's so, such a difficulty in defining the market value of an athlete's appearance, it's, uh, it's the athlete monetizing his name, image, and likeness. And, and so, you know, from that standpoint, there are there's kind of a – there's no upper end when you hear about some of the, the big deals that are going, going down. And, and, and I think that in a uh, – perfect world there'd be a way to sort of reel that in on some level because there will be the tales of the haves and have nots i think the the biggest concern that we have the one that that is is uh, the most troubling is that because this has gone to a um, such an organized level and these collectives have taken off in different parts of the country um, and the school and the coaching staff can't run this uh, there's another clear point about this is this you know the school can help promote it the school can introduce us to people that might be interested in supporting us um, but the school can't run it but yet because of the organization of these collectives and because so many schools are running with it you hear stories about football teams in the pac-12 if that's where San Diego state's headed or basketball teams in the big 12 and football teams in the big 12 where athletes are being paid very specific dollar amounts in kind of this predictable underwritable form and that from a competitive standpoint, when the coaches are talking to their existing players, that if they don't have one of these robust, capable, in-place programs, that, again, they can't, they can't run it, but yet it's a requirement of their program being successful, then they're in a pickle. You know, they, these players have options. And uh, every single conversation that the coaches are having today involves the discussion about what is the NIL arrangement at your given university. And so I think the fact that that isn't defined because there isn't a cap on those things is concerning. Um, you can see that in a free market uh, uh, environment that you will see different universities that start to perform better because their local support, the boosters and the folks that have really been giving to the university for so long understand that this is a requirement for the program to maintain its position or potentially even become more successful. And so if you're in a if you're in a market where that's the response 
your school will respond well, your collective will perform well, and you're likely to to retain and attract players. You know, there's a whole other conversation about the transfer portal, but when you sprinkle those two things together, (laughs) it's just a lot, guys. You know, it's a lot, and it's concerning for Aztec fans, I think, I just want to hear, have them make sure that they hear me say, and, and really it isn't me, it's the coaching staff saying we need help. You know, we can't do anything about this other than to tell you the sincerity of whether we like it to go away or not. We need help from the community. We need people to be involved. And uh, and that's all they can do is explain how, how critical and how real it is to the future success and how immediate the program will change despite the commitment and the culture that they've created for the last, you know, couple decades plus. That was Jeff Smith, Mesa Foundation, under Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. Uh, 554. (laughs) (laughs) Final show before the 2023 Padre baseball season, at least unofficially, gets underway. Because uh, tomorrow at spring training, Tony and Jesse will have the call. Beginning at noon tomorrow, Tony, you'll probably do your first round of lineups for the season and your first, uh, your first go, go, go when a guy on the Padres oh, hits right. it into the gap. Nice. If someone hits a homer, nice. I need to hear a nice in the middle of it. I need to hear a nice. Yeah, we'll see if that really happens. Uh, but that first broadcast, man, it's tomorrow with the season's kind of here, folks. And we'll be with you after the game tomorrow. Uh, Scraby will start it off. Tony and I will join in. But to make sure, Chris, you just gave me anxiety about about doing lineups. I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, sorry, <laughs> about that. <laughs> sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, go relax. You'll be fine. All right. Uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Enjoy the baseball tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. So long.